Welcome to another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. I'm Bruce Wozniak, and wherever you have found the show, thanks for listening. This podcast is widely available, so know that there are lots of options out there to listen and subscribe. The show website is nhte.net and has lots from all episodes, plus links to social media and podcast listening platforms. Do be sure that you have also signed up there for the weekly e-newsletter about the podcast. There have been some exclusives in the newsletter that either have not been made public anywhere else or were at least first seen in the newsletter. So be sure you're signed up for that. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Vermont, my guest is an internationally acclaimed singer, songwriter, producer, and actress who just last month released a holiday album that features a list of renowned collaborators. She has performed worldwide from the Lincoln Center in New York all the way to Paris. Born and raised in Ireland, she has drawn praise from the New York Times, USA Today, Huffington Post, and Billboard, among others. You've been hearing a song of hers called I Think of You. It's my pleasure to welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Maxine Linehan. Hi. Good afternoon, Bruce. Good afternoon, everyone. It's lovely to be here. Thank you, Maxine. I'm looking forward to it. Let's start off by having you talk about the song of yours that was just playing called I Think of You, especially since I was talking over it and the audience couldn't hear the lyrics clearly. Well, I Think of You is one of the original tracks on the album, and it's actually written by my husband. But this particular one is I Think of You Holiday Edition. So the song was originally written about what it's like to fall in love in the hustle and bustle of New York City. Uh, and one year we decided to adapt it to the holidays, which has even more hustle and bustle in mm. New York City when you think about uh, Christmas and Times Square and New Year's and, and things like that. So uh, this song is is uh, a little comic relief um, about what it's like to, uh, to, to live life in New York City in the slushy snow and the tourists staring at trees and you can't walk down the sidewalk because everyone's looking at the at the store windows um so it's it's a little humor um uh you know and, and the whole idea of this song is you you when you have the person you love with you you don't care about the tourists and the and the slush covered uh puddles and the sidewalk mm, wow well Another occasion of I wish this was a video podcast so that Maxine and so that the audience could see the smile on my face as you did such a wonderful job of describing that. Because I'm picturing now in my head two people walking down the street wanting to hold hands, but they can't because you keep bumping into <laughs> tourists who are taking pictures of the lights, the tree at Rockefeller Center, etc. <laughs> well, you, you've nailed it because that's exactly the, the sort of painting of the picture is, is that exact uh, scene you just described. <laughs> Well, clarify for me, though, you said it's the holiday edition. So did this song, was there a previous version of the song on a past Maxine Linehan album? Is that what you're saying? Yes. So the original version of this song, which my husband wrote for me as a surprise for my birthday um, a number of years ago, it is on my first uh, and only other studio album called Beautiful Songs. Um, and so so it's the same theme. Um, it's just not centered around the holidays. It's just general mm. hustle and bustle in New I York see. City. I yeah. see. Okay. But now I need another clarification because I looked on iTunes and there are a lot of options there, a lot of 
offerings from Maxine Linehan. So how is it that you're trying to sit here and tell me that this is only your second studio album? Because it sure looks like there's an awful lot of releases that you've put out. Yeah, well, I've done a number of singles. Um, I've also done a live album. Ah. Uh, the only two, the only two recordings that were done and structured as an album in a recording studio uh, was "Beautiful Songs" and and then this album this time of year. Okay, okay, listeners, I did not say it on that episode, but last week, NHTE three fifty six actually marked the 500th podcast of all time that I have hosted when you combine this show with another one that I'm currently doing and the podcasting that I used to do for Tascam. Even this far into my podcasting career, though, I'm still always looking for new listeners and subscribers, just like when I was first starting this show back in February 2014. And speaking of starting a new podcast, I wonder, have you checked out the new one that I have mentioned on the last two episodes? It's from a man who has had what I would call a most varied career as a composer and record producer with over 150 albums to his credit, spanning a 40-year career. Peter Link is what you might call a working man's composer, twice nominated for a Tony Award on Broadway and with a million-selling record to his credit, winner of the New York Theater Critics Drama Desk Award, Peter Link has seen great success in film scoring, Broadway musicals, pop music, gospel, television, and he's even written ballets for the Joffrey Ballet. Now he's presenting his life work in a series of podcasts called Scattershot Symphony, The Music of Peter Link. Each episode is 90% music, but he still manages to entertain with fascinating stories and anecdotes related to his music over the years. Each episode looks at a different movement in the symphony of his life's work. So if you love music, and who doesn't, you'll love getting an insider's listen to the work, the music, the stories around a life in music. That's Scattershot Symphony, the music of Peter Link. Here on NHTE, though, it's Maxine Linehan on episode 357. And Maxine, congratulations on the new album, which is called This Time of Year. Do tell the audience about it, because one of the aspects of this release that drew my attention was that it's not just holiday songs that have all been around before. You actually did some originals also. Uh, yes. So there are two originals. Uh, one that we heard um, and spoke about uh, a moment ago, I think of you, uh, and then the title track on the album, which is... Uh, this time of year um and and uh, amongst the other songs it's not just those two that that i would uh, they are the two original songs but we do have another uh, couple of songs on the album that wouldn't traditionally be considered holiday songs or christmas songs um but we included them because they just spoke to me as an artist about my feelings around the holidays um especially this holiday season uh, when many of us are feeling mixed emotions uh, about being separated from our loved ones, um, having possibly lost loved ones. Uh, and so the album, I think overall is, is uh, a little different in, in, in that regard. Um, it's not, uh, as I say, all, all jingle bells and, and uh, roasting chestnuts. Um, there's, there's another level to what we're all experiencing this Christmas and this holiday season. And I, I really wanted to lean into that um, feeling. 
Well, and I'm impressed to see 12 songs. I think a lot of people kind of tell themselves, ah, I think I'm probably at the point in my career where I'm ready for a holiday album, and it ends up being maybe eight. And here you are with this time of year having 12 songs on it. So a, a very hearty release that you've put out. Thank you. Yes. And what was really interesting, we, we ended up not doing a vinyl this year. We're going to hold off until next year. But um, <laughs> when you look at, at uh, just the duration of, of records these days, most of them can go on two sides of an LP. Um, but we are, our track list was too long. Mm. So when, when we when, we were looking at possibly doing it this year, we would have had to have a, a second vinyl, um, but we didn't have enough for four sides. So we've decided we're going to hold off and then next year add a couple of new tracks um, to it and have a have a double double LP. But wow. you're right, you know, and there's, there's just uh, from albums in general, you know, one of the things that we really worked hard in planning this album was that it was themed and conceptual and it wasn't a mishmash of songs, you know, in an age of streaming and listening to singles and EPs, there's very few constructed records anymore that take you on a journey from track one to the last track. And that is what I set out to do. We set out to do with this with this record. And, and I hope we've uh, accomplished that for well, the listener. Here's what I admire about that approach. It tells me that you sat down and did a whole lot of thinking about this and really, really spent time discerning what do I want this album to be, what songs really speak to me, which ones are relevant, and not someone saying, hey, here's a quick way to make some money. I'm going to put out a Christmas album. Uh, what are the most popular Christmas songs of all time? Just just pop that into Google or something like that and you know, and record their own. So hats off to you for putting as much time and effort as you did into something that could have very easily just been a, all right, come on, let's just get this done kind of approach. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I did, you know, before even starting with the track list, I did a lot of listening to holiday recordings and <laughs> there's a lot of them out there. And and it's true, exactly what you said. A lot of people, certainly major artists on labels that have deals to fulfill, a quick way to get a record out is to is to put out a Christmas record and it's all covers and it's it's a very typical song list. And and I was vehemently opposed to doing that um, because uh, I, I wanted to create something different and and I ended up putting you know a team of people together to help me get there mm. uh, from from concept to completion and and it took a lot of time. <laughs> Well, and I'm looking at it right now. I have iTunes up on my screen. And okay, granted, I do see Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. I see Happy Christmas, parentheses, War is Over. And I think, okay, there's a couple that I know. The last one on the album is Silent Night. But then I'm seeing other ones that are intriguing me. And I'm wondering, okay, do I know this song? And the point being that it is going to entice the buyer to say, you know what, there's some I know, but there's others that I want to know, and especially, of course, if they listen to a little preview. So uh, all around, just, you know, hats off, Maxine. Well done. I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed at, at how much you put into this. Thank you. Thank you so much. I did mention back in the intro that the album features a list of renowned collaborators. Go ahead and share with the audience who all worked on this project. You did just start to mention that you'd put together a team for it. 
Yeah. And, you know, uh, it's, it's, there's a lot of lanes of expertise uh, when it comes to a record. Um, one of my favorite quotes that we have on the wall at the studio here is uh, from Bono that says, um, making records is much like making sausages. Um, the end result is palatable, but you don't want to see the process. <laughs> and, and, and I love that quote because, you know, it's a very, it sounds like a very glamorous thing, right? To record an album and a holiday album on, you know, the artwork, I'm in this big red gown in the snow, and, <laughs> but yeah. it started in a room, um, in New York city in January pre coronavirus, where we were looking at putting a show together to ah. start. And uh, I work with my longtime um, duo for live performance, uh, which is Scott Siegel, who's a longtime producer um, of musicals and, and uh, concerts in New York, uh, and my music director, arranger, and orchestrator, um, who is simply stellar, uh, Ryan Sherrar. So the three of us got into a room and started to think about what a show would sound like and, and, and what a show would look like and what the themes would be. And so that's how it all started, um, in, in a, you know, a tiny little rehearsal room <laughs> in, mm. in New York. Um, once the pandemic hit, uh, we realized that, you know, a show was not likely to happen. And, uh, we already had the title track written. And, and so it was then we pivoted to, okay, we can't have a show this year, but we still can do an album. Um, so then uh, my my husband got involved. He is a uh, an incredible songwriter and producer and an engineer. And uh, he loved the idea of us of making this album. Uh, Andrew Koss is his name, and he's the producer here at Strawberry Fields Lane. Um, and then from there, the album started to take on a real um, weightiness, uh, for, for want of a better word, um, where where we realized in in the early in the early months that it was going to be really special, and that there was no dropping the ball at this point. We had to make sure that everyone working on this was at the top of their game. Um, uh, I happen to be good friends with uh, Kevin Killen, who is um, a renowned uh, Irish engineer. Um, he's lived in America for many years, but um, you know he's famously mixed U two and Peter Gabriel and and many many of the super super stars of the music world uh and we sent him the track list and and some of the uh sort of early mixes uh and he just loved it and signed on um mm. so you know that's it's such an incredible part of the process is the mixing and 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 especially on an album like this that has many many tracks um you know this is not somebody creating a beat <laughs> and me singing <laughs> You know, we have a lot of live orchestration and instruments um, and, you know, to pull all that together with my vocals, which are very different from one track to the next, um, meant that the mixing process was going to be really, really challenging. Um, and we needed somebody, like I said, who was uh, an, an A-lister. Um, so we're so grateful for for Kevin um, doing that. And then from there, you know, the last step in the process, of course, is the mastering. And uh, we had Bob Ludwig sign on to master it and perhaps one of the, the most famous mastering engineers. And and uh, similarly, you know, people were just taken aback by the project and, and how it sounded and how it felt um, and how it was different to most 
Christmas records. Um, so I, f- I felt really lucky, and I, I, I feel like I'm a small part of <laughs> while, while it's my name and my, and my picture on it. I'm I'm a small part of a of a big village that put it together. Yeah, and for the listeners' benefit, these gentlemen that she's mentioning. Kevin, who she mentioned, did the mixing on it. He's a multi-Grammy winner, mastered by Bob Ludwig. He, too, is a multi-Grammy winner, co-written by Grammy Award nominee Felix, am I saying his last name right, McTeague? Yes, correct. Yeah, so that's that's a heck of a team, and, and it's kind of funny the way you put that, but you know, once you hear all those credentials, even someone as accomplished as yourself all of a sudden feels pretty small <laughs> in, in a group of you know, uh, uh, Grammy absolutely. this and Grammy that. <laughs> Well, and not just that, you know, yes, those those big names, but also the many other collaborators from, you know, the 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 string players and the saxophone player. And, you know, they all play really big roles. And I, I say this to my 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 band or an orchestra or whoever I'm on stage with, I'm might be front and center at the microphone, but <laughs> I sure as heck can't do it without you. So we're, you know, we're a team, um, and and the the teamwork on this on this record was uh, was really really incredible. So the album was recorded. You mentioned it briefly, but you do your writing and your recording at a state of the art destination recording studio called the Studio at Strawberry Fields Lane. Talk about the facility as well as who can come there, how they can gain access, and just the atmosphere there. Because from what I see online. It looks like a real nice escape, somewhere that you can go and just sequester yourself and be 100% committed to your recording project with no distractions. Am I right? That That is absolutely right. And that's what we set out to do. Um, my husband uh, has been writing and producing music for 15 years. He's a graduate of Berklee College of Music and had a studio in Boston and then a studio in Times Square for 10 years uh, where we recorded beautiful mm. songs. And we re-relocated to Southern Vermont um, just over four years ago. And and the idea was just that. Um, It was to create a space where um, your, you know, your landlord is not banging down the door for rent um, in New York uh, or in the case of the studio, which was in the famous quad building um, uh, on 48th and Broadway. Andrew had the, the penthouse recording studio there. You know, he'd often have to stop recording because there's so much noise coming oh in from gosh. outside. You know, we live in Vermont. Um, we built this studio on our own property. Mm. Uh, we don't have rent to pay, um, but we have equipment, you know, that Andrew has accumulated over 15 years. He's a multi-instrumentalist. So, you know, huge selection of guitars and keyboards and drums and and plugins. He's an engineer. So there's, you know, um, I call it mission control, that control room, because I don't know what anything does in there um, <laughs> except that he makes me sound really good <laughs> um, but you know that's what we did and, and you know southern Vermont is three hours from Boston four hours from New York City um, you know you can rent a farmhouse Airbnb and come up here and just dig into your record and not be distracted and pre-pandemic that's exactly what we were doing we mm-hmm. haven't had um, out of state artists um, since since the beginning of the year, but we'll get back. Um, and, you know, I say the studio here at Strawberry Fields Lane is, and, and that actually is the name of the road. We didn't make that up. Uh. Like that, 
when we were building the studio, the builder said, ah, oh, it's kind of funny, isn't it, that that you're building a studio and it's on a lane back there called Strawberry Fields Lane. <laughs> we had no idea. So that instantly became the name of the studio. Um, and, and, you know, we look forward to, to welcoming people back again, but it's comparable to anything in Nashville or, or New York or L.A. And it's uh, it's just a very great vibe. So it is, <laughs> to, despite the fact that it's something that you and your husband built yourself on your own property, it is very much a commercial studio and, and anyone can look at the studio website and, and get in contact about possibly recording there? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. okay. Well, I've been fortunate to get listeners to this show from 153 countries around the world, so some of them are going to be getting introduced to you for the first time. Talk about being born and raised in Ireland and how slash when you got started with music. Uh, yeah, born born and raised in Ireland, born in the north of Ireland uh, in the uh, very troubled 70s. Um, so we relocated to the south of Ireland where my father is from and I grew up there in Cork um, and uh, spent most of my life there until graduate school. And I was one of those kids in school that was in every school play. I was in the school choir. Mm. Um, I was doing ballet. At one point, wanted to be a ballerina, but um, my my body didn't agree with that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, uh, And so I was just I was an I was one of the artsy kids. That was my that was my thing, and I loved it. And um, you know, one of my favorite stories is that my first professional pay gig was um, for the Irish Operatic Repertory Company um, when I was 17 years old in The Sound of Music, uh, which which was before and still is one of my um, all-time favorite movie musicals, um, along with, you know, 100 million other people <laughs> that make me unique. Um, but it was, it holds a special place in my heart because, because of, you know, being, I remember the moment that I walked out on stage and just thought, wow, this this is an incredible life um and i thought that was going to be it S- sadly it didn't it didn't work out like that at the beginning um you know ireland is uh not not necessarily so much anymore but it, we're quite a provincial little country back in the in the 80s and 90s and a life in the arts seemed incredibly unrealistic mm. uh, and and so i was uh very strongly discouraged, uh, actually, to to pursue the arts, um, and <laughs> of all things, ended up going to law school. Um, so uh, that uh, that 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 was my sort of life in in Ireland, and then I I went to graduate school and and studied for the bar exams in London. <laughs> but so, are you implying? Because I was wondering how and when did you come to the realization that you wanted to do music as a career? So, are you saying that? It was over there in Ireland because to to continue the story of all those years in Ireland, I also wonder when and why did you move to the U.S.? Uh, well, so it's it's uh, it's an interesting story, and people ask me all the ha- time, how did the Irish girl get to you know southern Vermont? But there was a number of stops along the way. Um, I, I went to grad school in in London and became a barrister. Um, I worked in house for a media firm as their counsel, uh, and ended up. And, and I'm talking, you know, my early 20s here, um, got relocated to their New York office. Ah. Um, that, was, that was the beginning of, of the end of my corporate career because <laughs> I got to New York. I was like, OK, well, now I'm legitimately in a place where you can pursue the arts wow. as 
real life and a real career. Um, And, uh, you know, I worked for a firm who I was very, very close with their leadership, their CEO and their and their board chair. And, um, you know, they they knew my background. They knew my love of the arts. And I I was Mm. actually I ran the office for them in New York um, after a year and uh, was just really honest and and said, uh, I reached a point in my life where I knew very clearly, um, you know, turning about to turn 30 <laughs> i was like this this is not what i'm i'm here for and i have to get back to the thing and and new york you know it just reignited that in me everywhere you look there's art and music and performance and concerts and and it was just it was too much for me to ignore um indeed, and uh, indeed I, 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 I got back to it. Uh, you know, I said goodbye to the corporate condo and uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the first class travel and um, and got back to the arts and uh, never looked back. So you're saying that when you were in Ireland, though, even then you already had designs on, I wish I could do this as a career. It just wasn't an environment that was really nurturing those types of dreams. Yes, correct. Exactly correct. Wow. Wow. Well, yeah. And as you said, how can you be in New York and deny everything that's around you? There's so, so much of the arts that it sounds like it was really a case of, okay, thanks for transferring me to New York because now I can start my real career. (laughs) I know I'm I'm here to do a different job, but no thanks. I'm actually going to leave. And, you know, obviously the rest is history because you have had such a successful career. So you certainly found the right calling. It's just too bad that you had to spend all those years doing what you needed to do because of your, I don't want to say growth being stunted in Ireland, but, you know, the hand that you were dealt uh, but I'm sure that you're obviously very happy with the way that things turned out regardless. Yeah. And, and you know, I've worked over the years through all of those emotions. You know, I, you know, I've always said, what if I, <laughs> what if I had been able to go to a conservatory or drama school? Maybe I'd have Grammys and Tonys by now. But, um, mm. but I, I, I stopped doing that a long time ago because the, you know, the, the time that I had, both as both in law school and and also um, years after that, just honing my skills um, as as uh, as an an orator, as somebody who you know can negotiate for themselves, um, their skills that that are, are life lasting, and I'm very grateful for them. And it's just I wouldn't you know I look back now. I've actually started writing a play, and I'm I'm looking back, and I wouldn't change one bit of it because it it brought me to exactly where I am today. And and I'm just grateful, immensely grateful for all of it. Well, let me say to the audience, those of you that have kind of kicked around the idea before of getting into entertainment or not, I do admit very often, unfortunately, publicly, that I do a bad job on this show of telling people that I do this show because I am an artist manager. And the point of me bringing this up is I have a client who is 72 years old, and she's a jazz singer that performs and has a couple of albums out. I also have a 25-year-old that's in Hollywood. So it doesn't matter what your age is. I've worked with kids who have been in high school. The fact of the matter is that if you have a dream and you can tell the way that you're hearing Maxine say that she did, where she really knew that this is what she wanted to do, you have to go after it because you don't want to do what she just implied. You don't want to get to a point where you say, I wonder what would have ever happened if. Mm-hmm. So I'm encouraging you listeners, or or even if you're listeners who have children that you think they have a twinkle in their eye or you can sense that this is something they want to pursue, 
follow those dreams because you don't want to live a life of regret and say, I wonder what would have ever happened if anything would have come of it if I had X, because you have no one to talk to except yourself about it and say, well, why didn't I do it? And Maxine, it doesn't matter that you were 30 because here you are flourishing and it's all been very beneficial to you. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. If it's in you, if that desire and that light is inside you, I I try to encourage anyone um, to to pursue it. It's, we you only have one shot, you know. It's, That's right. Uh, you, you you don't want to let it go by. Yeah, I'm joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Vermont by singer, songwriter, producer, and actress Maxine Linehan. Visit her official website at MaxineLinehan.com. I will, of course, have a link to her website from the show page for this episode at nhte.net. On her website, you will see links to all of her social media platforms, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Her new album is called This Time of Year and is available on iTunes and digital platforms, but you can also get physical copies, CDs, from MaxineLinehan.com, where you'll also find other unique merchandise as well. Of course, since it's the time of year when recording artists are posting on social media their 2020 wrapped statistics, I do have to mention that, yes, Maxine is on Spotify, so you can follow her on there, but the better way to support her is by purchasing ideally through her website, both music and merchandise. Keep in mind that on iTunes, as you heard, you'll find previously released music from Maxine as well. She said singles and her first album. Since we are really in the heart of the Christmas shopping season now, I have to remind you that any shopping that you do at all through Amazon, any time of year for that matter, do please support me and this show by starting first on my show website, nhte.net. Scroll down to the tall Amazon banner and click or tap that to get taken to Amazon. And then at the end of the transaction, at no extra cost to you, they will kick back a small percentage of the sale to me, which helps with the expenses that I have for doing, as I said earlier on, 500 podcast episodes in just under seven years. It's completely private, by the way, so I don't know who bought through my banner or what was purchased or how much was spent. I would greatly, greatly appreciate your taking just that one little extra step anytime you're going to purchase from them. Again, on the website for this show, nhte.net, just scroll down to the tall Amazon banner and tap or click that to start your shopping with them and help me out in the process. Maxine, I'd love to get into some of what you do, which I really find fascinating, and that is your interpretation of songbooks of varied artists, ranging from Petula Clark to Barbara Streisand to you 2 Tell me what inspired you to go down that road and how have you chosen the artists whose music you want to put your own interpretation on? Uh, yeah, so it's in, interpreting music is, is a, a very, I think, specific skill um, because the songs are often made famous by a very famous person already. And, you know, the question is always, well, why do I want to hear you singing that song that Bono did so well? And, and for me, for, for all of those concerts and they're, they're all live concerts. It's, it's about me, uh, my connection to that music mm. and the story around that. So for example, with Petula Clark, I grew up listening to Petula Clark. My, my parents met in London in the swinging sixties and 
that's you know when I was born that's what they were playing back mm-hmm. in Ireland and so and there was something Petula Clark was my mother's favorite singer and so she and I would just listen endlessly <laughs> to you know records and tapes <laughs> no CDs at that point um and and I just loved her voice and as I got older I started to explore who she was and of course she's famous in America for one huge hit song, um, downtown. Yeah. Uh, if you delve into that woman's life is it is, it's a musical in itself. Mm. Um, it's so incredible. And that's what led to, to that show because it was one of those things that I had been so deeply connected to. Um, and even I was continuing to learn more about her career in Hollywood, in movie musicals, her incredible career uh, on the legitimate stage and all of this that was completely unknown to a lot of people. And I thought, well, I I would like to connect that story and what it means okay, to me okay. and present it as a concert. Um, so, so, and that's, and that's typically what, it's the same thing that happened with you too, a very, very different songbook. Um, but, but similarly, uh, I sang a song the first time I sang walk on in a concert. Um, it just, it opened something up in me. I've been mm. listening, I'm Irish. I've been listening to you too since, <laughs> since <laughs> like, you know, it, it's, it's part of who we are. And I had never thought about singing their music, uh, until we, I was part of a concert and I needed to s- deliver the message about staying strong and, and walking through a storm. And I found, I, you know, I, I presented walk on to the producer of the show actually. And he said, I've never heard this before. Who, who, who wrote this? And I said, well, it's a little band. You might not have heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> They're kind of just getting started. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and from there, it just became this incredible exploration for me of my growing up and my, emotions over my life connected through the unbelievably deep songbook of U2. And, you know, I sing songs that I really can lean into the lyrics. Um, I'm a theatrical performer. I'm an actor. And so I really need to go on a journey with these songs and Bono's lyrics, you know, he's, he's a poet. He's, I think one of the great contemporary lyricists. And often if you strip away the sound, the amazing sound of YouTube, but if you take it away and you read, just read the lyrics of songs, like sometimes you can't make it on your own or bad or where the streets have no name, you know, some of their most favorite song, famous songs, if you, if you just read them, um, they're, they're chilling. They're, they're really incredible. So it, I was able to create something very magical. Um, it's an orchestral show. Uh, so it is a very different sound, but completely true to, to, uh, to the songs and the songbook. So hearing all of that, I do pride myself on anticipating what questions the listeners are having as they're listening each week to now hear this entertainment. And so there's also two audiences that I know listen. One is those aspiring performers who are listening each week to learn from me and my guests. And the others are those who are just fans of the guests or fans of music in general, or sometimes I like to say fans of music interviews in general. So for the benefit of those who I'm describing, talk about, and this is a follow-up to everything you just described, number one, you know, you start as an 
aspiring performer thinking about things like obtaining rights or clearances to re-record, rearrange someone else's music, but then also just from the fan side, the listener side, the casual music fan, whether you've ever gotten feedback from artists whose music you've released under your own interpretation. Uh, so, so yes, I mean, you can, you can re-record any song ever written. Um, uh, that's, uh, entirely up to you. Um, but, uh, the, the important thing about for me interpreting it is finding something that's meaningful to you. So as a performer, um, finding something that really connects with you and, and, uh, Th- that's what Petula and and you two did for me. And Petula, to answer the second part of your question, um, has been in touch with me and is ah. just, oh my goodness, um, uh, just the most wonderful woman um, and a huge supporter of mine. She is wow. 89 wow. years old. Wow. She is still performing in the West End. Oh my if you gosh. Can believe yeah. it. Um, and she has, you know, prior to some of my biggest performances, um, of, of my homage to her, she has sent me notes and, and just an an incredible, incredible woman. And, um, you know, for artists talk about inspiration, talk about iconic, um, you know, a celebrity who just kept her head screwed on and, and worked her way through every area of entertainment from, from recording to movies, to the stage. Um, and she's just incredible. And to have her support and blessing on, on my work, interpreting her, uh, life is, is, is wonderful. Um, as of, as of yet, I've not heard from Bono or the boy <laughs> in Dublin. Um, but, uh, I, I, I hope someday they'll, they'll hear some of my, uh, interpretive work and, and, and hopefully know that I, I do it with, uh, with love and respect. So I'm also deriving from all of that, that no, there are no rights or clearances that are taking place because otherwise they would know that, okay, well, maybe we should give this a listen. Someone's re-recording our music. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think, um, it depends on who you are as an artist, you know, uh, for me, if somebody were to say they would like to record one of my songs, I find that to be a great honor. Um, there's, there's a lot of music out there. Um, and, and, I just go back to the same point over over again with especially to your up and coming artist listeners is is that you you find find something that speaks to you because that authenticity that whatever that opens up inside you you know when people look at me and 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 then hear that I I sing you too it, it's a head scratcher. <laughs> you know, um, but, but then after the show, I mean, it's one of the shows that really astounds people because they're not expecting what they get. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, I, I do joke often that while they may be the biggest band in the world, I have brought many a listener to you too, because I have a, I have a, a, you know, a demographic of, of fans, um, that are not familiar with, yeah. <laughs> with yeah. No, that's a great point. That's a great point. I, I totally see that. Yeah, I, I've had people say to me, you know, I've done a, a cover of one that we released as a single, and I've had people ask me if I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. I did not. I wish I wrote that. <laughs> not quite. And, and and in fact, I didn't even co-write it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I have nothing to do with it other than my vocals on this track. <laughs> uh, well, 
I want to change the subject, and it's it's a question that started to get a little redundant for me over several episodes of this show, but I took a step back, and I think it's actually important to ask after all because it could be a teaching moment for those in the audience who are aspiring performers. And since the pandemic, unfortunately, has not gone away by any stretch of the imagination, Maxine, what maybe did you do throughout all these months of the coronavirus lockdown different from what you were used to doing? Any lessons learned or maybe anything new that you picked up that maybe you otherwise wouldn't have in your pre-pandemic routine, so to speak? How have you kept busy in your performance career despite the absence of live shows on stage at traditional venues? Um, Well, as I mentioned briefly earlier, you know, at the beginning of of this record, it it was originally supposed to be a show. Uh, And uh, often I, you know, with Beautiful Songs, for example, I create the show first and the album comes next Mm. after we've really worked out what the journey is that that we're we're all going on. And um, that was the biggest, uh, the biggest pivot (laughs) we've ever had to make. You know, all my concerts were being the beginning of March, everything just started to cancel. And, you know, there were like, maybe some things will be okay in September. And then that all got canceled. And, and, uh, you know, all my major performances are canceled through the spring, um, of 2021. And we'll probably go on into the summer, if not the fall before big packs are, are opening to put, you know, 1500, 2000 people in them. So it, it, you know, it was, it was shocking really shocking. Um, and then, you know, the, the biggest decision we made was to turn the, the show into an album and we'll do the album first and we'll do the show next year. Um, and that kind of, uh, took up a huge amount of time. I mean, we, we, we started working on the sort of pre-production of the album in April, May, um, and then we started actually recording the album in August. Uh, mm. And that's that, you know, from the instrumentalists, um, we did all of that first, then all of the vocals, then it goes into the mixing phase. So, you know, that brought us right up to it was mastered on the, the last week in October. So it it, uh, it took up a huge uh, amount of time. And then um, you combine that with the fact that I'm home and homeschooling two children. So I um, I was very, very busy during the pandemic. Okay, okay. Well, you just mentioned in there in that whole timeline of assembling the album, you mentioned instrumentalists. And earlier you had talked about when you're on stage, you say, I'm the one up front, but really we're all a team here. So correct me if I'm wrong on this. Be gentle. <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like you're someone who has performed with a number of different bands, different orchestras, different musicians behind you over your career. So assuming that I'm correct, while I totally get it that these folks are all professional musicians and you want to have the same confidence in them that you do in yourself, how can you best prepare to get on stage with a group of players that you've never performed with before? Do you insist on rehearsals? What, what does that all look like? Walk us through those experiences. Yeah, well, um, you know, as a touring artist, um, we are we're most of the time because budget budget restrictions at performing arts centers um, require us to use local musicians. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And uh, yeah, I we absolutely build a, a, a 
a sturdy piece of, of rehearsal time into, into the process. So, you know, if I'm performing on a Saturday night, I will fly to the city on Thursday evening. Um, we'll do two, two sets of rehearsals, um, the day before the show. And yeah, because, you know, the, this, these shows are not piano bass drums they're yeah, they're yeah, orchestrated yeah, yeah. and and they're complicated and um and we all have to be in sync um to to make it work so yeah we we um but i've you know i've gone all over the world and met the most incredible musicians that i've performed with for you know two 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 nights and and um we've made really great friendships over the course of a few a few days <laughs> Well, listeners, I think you know by now that on the at Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account, I follow everyone who has been a guest on this show, which is a great way for me to keep up on what they're all up to and stay in touch with all of them. If you're not doing that and you're wondering what guests like Frankie Shinta, Laura Wright, Dane Reese, Samantha Johnson, Lisa Marie Smith are up to, I encourage you to subscribe to the Access Vegas newsletter. Those five guests that I just named are all Las Vegas performers. And if you want to know what's happening these days in light of the coronavirus as to whether shows are still taking place in Las Vegas these days or not, don't worry about following countless social media accounts. In the latest issue of Access Vegas, I was reading an article whose headline was, Slowly but surely, the foundation for a Vegas entertainment comeback is being laid. I was also reading that Donny Osmond is going to open a solo show on the Las Vegas Strip. So they were reporting which hotel slash casino he'll be performing at when his show starts ticket information and so on go to my show website nhte.net and click on the access vegas logo and during sign up put in the code bruce to get five dollars off of course with access vegas you'll also get tips from the insiders who are right there in las vegas publishing that newsletter for years and years now telling you about discounts how to save money essentially maximizing your visit there Plus, you get access to their members-only reports, 12 of those, in fact. Again, to get all of this and more, go to nhte.net, click on the Access Vegas logo, and during sign-up, put in the code BRUCE to get $5 off. Maxine, I have been referring to you as a singer, songwriter, producer, and actress, but you just started to tip your hand there about something that I did want to give you a chance to talk about, another role that we've not spoken about yet, but I know that you truly cherish the role of being a mom. So can you talk about that side of Maxine Linehan, but also how you balance motherhood with being a performer? Yeah, well, it is it is my m- most favorite and cherished role that I play. Mm. And it's, you know, it's interesting. I, you know, I didn't grow up one of those young girls who couldn't wait to have babies and be a mother. Like I, I, I had an amazing mother and, uh, and, and I had lots of goals and dreams and plans of my own. So, you know, motherhood was really never even made it onto the radar. (laughs) Um, and you know, all of that changes in, in an instant. Um, I met my husband, we got married and shortly after my daughter was born and truly, truly changed my life, my perspective, um, Mm. uh, on what's important. You know, I, I was probably the most important person in my world (laughs) before (laughs) that. And, 
and and you know all of the things that you think are important and my own mother used to say to me when i was young you 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 don't understand what a mother's love is until you experience it and when you do you'll say to me oh you were right because i would say i do know what you mean and i would say back to her i love you as much as you love me and she's like nope that's not how it works mm. and you know the circle of life my my youngest um, is seven my son and you know we do this we do this little banter in bed every night where I'll you know he'll say I love you and I say I love you more and he'll say no uh-uh, I love you more and and it's you know history repeating itself I'm like well when you have your own baby <laughs> we'll know that it's different um and it's 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 very special and I'm really really grateful I have two just unbelievable children and it, it changed my career as well because it, it, I, I was one of those people that was not, uh, as a mother, I'm not capable of being separated from them for very long. Mm. Uh, so the, you know, the idea of of being on tour for a long time or or even being in eight shows a week, um, I, I wanted. I knew that being present in their lives was uh, the most important thing for them and for me. And I'm very fortunate. Uh, those of us who have concert careers um, where, you know, you you set the schedule and you say, I will perform 25 or 35 concerts this year and I will travel, but I, I'll be home most of the time. And it's uh, it's a, a real gift to be able to do both. Well, and it was fun to watch listeners. I'm going to be giving you in a few minutes here again, Maxine's online destinations, but it was fun to see a Facebook post that she put up showing that you can order a autographed copy of her CD through her website. So she had them all laid out that she was autographing and there were the two kids right there with her taking part in this. So, you know, when you wonder if you're someone who is a performer and you say, well, how am I supposed to separate being a performer from being a parent? You don't have to, because in a case like that, you can say, let's have a fun little signing party and get all these CDs out and you can help me lay them out and line them up and mom will sign them all. Yes, and we did that this morning. You know, it was <laughs> six thirty before school, and I, you know, the my my only request was that they didn't get any um, cereal or juice. <laughs> <laughs> I said nobody wants cereal or juice on the CD when it arrives in their mail. <laughs> well, and fittingly, we're going to close today with the title track from that new album this time of year. Before that, though, Maxine, tell the audience all about this song, please. Uh, so this song was the catalyst for the for the whole project, um, and I wrote this song with my husband uh, and a famous songwriter, Nashville songwriter Felix McTeague, who tragically has passed away um, just this summer, which makes this song uh, even more um, heartbreaking, heart wrenching. Mm. I wrote this song, the beginnings of this song, thinking about how wonderful Christmas is. And I'm a very fortunate woman. Um, I live in the winter wonderland of Vermont. I have an incredibly supportive uh, husband and partner and um, every in everything, my work and my home life. And, and I have two wonderful children. But it's the time of year that I sometimes feel the saddest and it's because I, you know both of my parents have passed away and in growing up in Ireland Christmas is the biggest day of the year um, it's mm. a it's a big deal and my parents used to make it such a, a wonderful special time everything was you know 
treats. The kitchen was full of everything you wanted. We had got so many gifts. It was just, it was a really, really special time. And now I have that, you know, bittersweet feeling of I have all of that and I'm passing it on to my kids. And I just wish that my parents could see it. Maybe they can, but you know, I wish they were mm. here. I wish they could pick up their grandkids and, and do all of this. So that was the inspiration behind this song is that this is the time of year that we often miss the people that we love the most because we're, we're in this place of celebrating and nostalgia. And, um, and, and so that's what this song is about. It's about going on with your life. And, uh, you know, the story in this song is, is a girl who's, who's remembering many Christmases ago and she's very happy where she is now. Um, and one of my favorite lines is, is, is a call back to the beginning where she's drinking grocery store wine and the end of the song, you know, I sing that, the wine's a little better, but the memories are still here. And, and, mm. and I love that because you've grown and I'm a very different person to, to the girl that left Ireland 20 years ago. And all of those memories are, are still so fresh. Um, and I, and I think the holidays really bring that up for a lot of us. And especially this year when, when we, many of us are, are separated from the ones and how great it is to get this perspective from you. And that's why I love asking these questions to the guests every week, because I think if you, from the category of don't judge a book by its cover, I think if you hear this time of year, you automatically assume, oh, this must just be a very celebratory, happy song. Yay, we're all going to open presents and decorate the tree. And if you're in the right part of the world, there's going to be snow. And so it's a very unique approach that you took. And I want to congratulate you on the new album, and thank you so much. I've really enjoyed having you on the show, Maxine. Thank you. Bruce, my pleasure, and uh, thank you for having me, and I hope we'll be back together again soon. Absolutely, absolutely. Listeners, that will do it for another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, producer, and actress Maxine Linehan. Do visit her official website at MaxineLinehan.com. And again, I will have a link to her website on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Once you land there, among the various content she has, you will find icons to go engage with her on social media. So that means like her Facebook page, follow her on Twitter and Instagram. I did all three of those myself this morning, so please do the same for her. We did not talk about her YouTube channel, but do go there and subscribe, plus watch and like the videos on there. For that matter, tell Maxine you heard her and her music on Now Hear This Entertainment. The new album is called This Time of Year and is available on iTunes and digital platforms. But remember, you can also get physical copies, CDs, from MaxineLinehan.com, where there you'll also find other unique merchandise as well. Keep in mind that she has other music too, and that her music is streaming on Spotify. A reminder, especially now that we're into the thick of the Christmas shopping season, as you heard me say before, anytime you're going to buy anything at all from Amazon, do please start first by going to my show website, nhte.net, and scroll down to the tall Amazon banner. Tap or click that, and you'll be taken to Amazon, and then at the end of the transaction, at no extra cost to you, they will kick back a small percentage of the sale to me, which helps with all the expenses I have for putting out a new episode of this podcast every week for what in two months will be seven years. If you want to email me via podcast at nhte.net to tell me that you made a purchase from Amazon by clicking through my banner, 
Awesome. Do it. Thank you. It's always nice to hear from listeners. Otherwise, thanks to privacy policies, it's totally anonymous. Amazon just tells me once a month how much they're sending me for people clicking through my banner. That's it. I don't know who shopped with them through my banner, what was purchased, or how much was spent. And by the way, the people that you know who shop a lot from Amazon, ask them to do this for me as well. I'd greatly appreciate the help. That's going to do it for episode 357. I really appreciate everyone who listens to this show every week. We will wrap up this episode with another song from Maxine Linehan. This is the one you just heard her talk about. It's called This Time of Year. I miss you the most at this time of year When the ghosts of my past and my future First place of my own I did what I could To make it like home And there you were standing When I opened the door With Christmas Eve flowers From the corner store There was cheap mismatched plates And grocery store wine And I ruined the dinner When we lost track of time You took my face in your hands said honey take outs just fine I miss you the most at this time of year when the ghosts of my past and my future appear I miss you the most at this time of Breath hit the glass Cause you couldn't fix the heater Trace a heart with my finger And laugh as you croon All my favorite carols Just a bit out of tune We'd light candy cane candles Put up evergreen wreaths Relive all the memories That we hung from the tree It was just the way December should be Still here of the girl at the table.